All right. Good evening, everybody. Wow, an abrupt ending on the music there, man. Sorry. <laughs> I'm getting used to the new mix. Uh, that's okay. Um, anyway, welcome to Lost in the Long Box for Wednesday, March 6th. Uh, I'm Randall. Obviously, Mad Men is working the soundboard. And then we've got our two boys over here, Enos Thomas. Say hello, guys. Hello. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. All right. So I hope everybody had a pretty uneventful, decent, good weekend there. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I think it was the first one in a long time where I didn't spend most of it sick. So that's good. All right. Um, so normally we do like news and note other items that came out over the week, but I got to be honest, there wasn't a lot that impressed me over the last week. I did make a couple of them uh, that I made note of just because it was those hmm moments <coughs> as I go yakking into the microphone. You were just talking about how you weren't feeling Right, so. right. Um, so apparently there was going to be a panel at um, – SXSW, like Southwest uh, Expo type of thing, Comic-Con is coming up this weekend, actually. And because of the panel that was there, like Disney's plans for their future, whatever, Marvel from comics to screens, people somehow got the impression that Disney was going to be shutting down Marvel Comics. <laughs> oh, Lord, yes. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you guys are really freaking reaching, right? Tell me about it. To the point that Joe Quesada, um, and I will freely admit that I'm not a big fan of Joe Quesada, um, because, you know, he is a man who split up the whole Peter Parker, Mary Jane wedding, marriage. But Joe Casada had to actually come out and say, there's no truth to the rumors. You guys need to calm down. <laughs> so, I, but I just remember reading it the first time. is like, uh, Disney might be shutting down Marvel Comics. I'm like, are you high? I, said, I understand they're probably, yeah, they'll I, probably change the comics and make them more like the movies. But, and I do agree that there's not generating as much revenue as possible. But you have old dogs like me who are always going to want a, an actual hard copy comic in my hand. I do think, though, in our lifetime, comics are going to go digital com almost completely. I mean, it may not be until like towards the end of our lifetime, but I, I think it's going to happen. It's well, it's likely. And yeah. the, the irony of this is Disney, Disney, damn it, DC actually paid the way for that a, a few years ago by doing their same day digital as uh, release. So right. the same day you could get it in the shop, you could get it digitally as well. Right. Yeah. Which I thought was actually a brilliant move um, because you could read it digitally and then say, wow, I really like this. And if you w actually wanted the hardcover, you knew you could go out and you know, get a hard copy of it. Yeah. Because for a while, there was some way they were releasing it digitally first. And I'm like, you jerkwads. Jerkwads. Exactly. <laughs> um, so another one, too, that I uh, read, which kind of actually surprised me, not cause I, A, because I didn't realize he was over there. But um, Diodato, um, Mike Diodato Jr., announced that once he's done with his run on Savage Avengers, he's leaving Marvel. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, and I didn't know this. Apparently, he's been there for a couple decades now yes. um, doing work. I, I remember when he was doing work over at DC. Right. So at some point, I guess he jumped ship and, and went to, to Marvel. But yeah, he's been doing stuff um, throughout his career for both Marvel, Image, DC, um, so he says after Savage Avengers, he's done. But here's the great thing. He says he wants to spend more time on creator-owned properties. So I'm betting we're going to see some really nice stuff coming from him, probably at Image. Yeah, that would be right. my guess. Right. Cause well, there was a time that I would I, – he's one of my favorite artists. It's funny you bring him up because me and one of my supervisors today were talking to her. She was, we were talking about his Hulk was one of the best because she's a big fan of the Hulk. And – I was like, you know, you should see his Thor when right. uh, he was doing work for DC, Marvel, um, Valiant, when they had the license to the uh, Gold Key characters. There's a, there were a couple of issues of Turok, Son of Stone, that I bought. 
Mm-hmm. That when he did the artwork on, so he um he was basically everywhere in the nineties. Did didn't he have a a stint on Wonder Woman for a while? Yes, too? he did. Because I want to say that one of my favorite Wonder Woman statues was based off of one of his covers. Right, right, and it was um one of one and it was during that run that she had the real skimpy jacket and um biker shorts type outfit. Right when um or I think it was Orana took over or what um. No, what's what's the one? With the, what's the, with the uh, Amazon with the red hair? Um, I know you're talking about me now. I can't remember I her, can't name. Think of her the, name. The one who is basically the the warrior. Artemis. Ar- Artemis. Yeah, Artemis. Artemis yes. took over, right? Which I actually liked Artemis yeah. as, as Wonder Woman for a while. Oh yeah, because there was the whole you've dishonored the, the Amazon code or what have you. So right, it, it was almost it harkened back to the seventies when he stripped her of her powers and yeah. made her super spy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and she looked like Emma Peel in reverse with the black, and with the white suit instead of the black suit. And only us really old comic collectors will even yeah. know. Yeah, I have no <laughs> idea what you guys are talking about. I, I know I've heard what about what you're talking about, but I never read that series. I hear, and it, I hear I'm better for it. Late so. '60s when the mod movement was getting really big, um, DC basically stripped Wonder Woman's powers. Put her in a skin tight white outfit, made her a super spy. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. then gave her a little Chinese um, advisor named I Ching, who, who went with her. Yeah, wasn't it oh, that Denny O'Neill? Like didn't he do that? Yes, yeah. because Denny O'Neill says that if he had any regret in his career, it, it was, was that. that run. <laughs> yeah, it was that. Yeah, it, that doesn't sound good. Like no. it holds up very well at all. No, it doesn't. Well, I can tell you, I found one of those issues, um, and I actually ended up getting a CGC graded, because um, and, and Thomas, I was doing exactly what you said we should do. I was downtown Fredericksburg shopping the antique stores, and I found that Wonder Woman in a box, and I looked at it, and I hemmed and I hawed, and I'm thinking, it's a silver rights. I can't leave it here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it, it came home with me, and I had it for a number of years, and then I found a dedicated Wonder Woman fan who wanted it. So well, hey. There you go. So, oh, new releases this week. A um, couple of new releases. Um, damn it, I missed this one. That means i got to go back to the shop. I knew I missed one. Uh, Marvel Meet the Scrolls number one supposedly came out today. Oh, boy. Um, which is going to be, I think, a four or five issue miniseries. It might be six, but the whole premise is... They're a undercover family living in suburbia, um, attempting to take over the world. But you know, it's mom, dad, and the two kids thing. It feels very much almost like Tom King's Vision series that they're going to be living in suburbia. The only difference is in the Vision series, everybody knew who they were. Right. Whereas this one, they're masquerading as humans as a plot to take over the earth. So that looks really good. It's going to be like cone heads, consume mass quantities, stuff like that. I, well, it it does have more of um, I don't want to say a cartoonish look on the art. But not as finely detailed type of thing. Maybe they'll be from France. Who knows? Um, so you know, DC Comics 1000s coming dropping. I think next week actually, because yes, 999 came out last week. So and it's every, twice a month, so it's probably dropping next week. Is it next week or the week after? I thought I thought it was the. If I'm not mistaken, I do believe because uh, someone asked me on the Batman page when it was going to drop, and I think it's March 27th. Yeah, okay, so that, a couple weeks. Yeah. But anyway, today. Um, and sorry, guys, RLCS only had one, apparently, because I snagged it. Um, Detective Comics 80 Years of Batman hardcover came out today, just like they did for Action Comics 1000, which, did you pick that up? What? The Action Comics 1000 hardcover, 80 Years of Superman. Let me tell you what's really great in that book, um, and I'm hoping there's something similar to this in the, the one for Detective. The Superman one had an unpublished Superman story 
from Action Comics that Marv Wolfman rescued out of the trash when he was visiting DC Comics as a, as a young man. Wow. Because he actually tells the whole story how he was touring DC offices and it had all this unpublished artwork in a trash can and he basically took it and he then traded to get other pieces from people who are out taking out the trash. So he has a never-before-seen Superman story that got published in that Action Comics 1000 wow. hardback. Yes, yes, I do have that, but I got to go back and look at that. It's in there. It's, it's black and white. It's not colored because, okay. it, you know, they were just basically pages that got rescued from the, the trash. Can you imagine, you know, just working at, at, a, at a place like that? Right. And, and, and just for, seeing art in the trash, like, I, I'd take every and bit for of years. it every time. Yeah, I, I just, like, no, this is coming home with me. I don't care and if I you think, think this is terrible, it's coming home with I me. And I think this is the first time it's ever been published. Other than that, the only way you saw it was you had to be, you know, a friend of Marv Wolfen who would, like, you're sitting in his living room at dinner saying, hey, man, let me show you what I put out of DC trash, you know, years ago. So... But anyway, so I'm, I haven't opened it yet. I'm hoping there's something just like that in the detective that'll be worth the price of admission, as I like mm. to say. Um, another one that came out today, um, and I gave Thomas his copy of it, Girl in the Bay, number two. I'm looking forward to this. I want to see where this green now, woman on the cover here. Here's, the, here's yeah. the thing. I don't usually like to recommend um, books that came out unless they're number ones or start of a new run. But this one is such a good book that I'm telling you, if you didn't pick it up today... Go back to your shop, get Girl in the Bay number two, ask them if they have number one still in stock. If they don't, get them to order it from Diamond. If they don't have any more in stock, go to one of the big guys online, like mycomicshot.com or, or Midtown, and get number one. It's going to be a classic horror story. One was phenomenal. I was really pleasantly surprised. So that's why I'm telling you, Girl in the Bay 2, it's not too late to find one and, and start reading the story from the, from the get-go. It's, it's been really good. Yeah, I'm reading this tonight. I've been waiting for this since I finished reading number one. This, so. In fact, when I bought issue one, I turned around, let Tommy borrow it like a couple of days later, said, hey, man, you ought to read this. You'll really like it. And then I end up with a, another copy. The reason I end up with another copy was I forgot that I had subscribed to it with my online retailer. So three weeks later, oh, wow, I got another Girl in the Bay one. So I posted on our Facebook about, hey, I have an extra girl in the bay, number one, if anybody wants it. Five seconds later, Tommy, mine. <laughs> ah. I'm like, okay, then. Yes, I'll bring it to you Saturday. So that's pretty much the news and noteworthy items that I noticed You and the new things that were being released. You guys see anything or read anything that kind of like had you sit there and go, huh? Yeah, nothing really caught my attention nothing this week. Really. I mean, I was looking at some of the solicitations and everything. I was like, yeah, nothing. I'm super worried about it. It's that girl in the bay number two. That was that was big. But other than that, I really wasn't wasn't all that you know hyped about anything. Well, I the could... only thing that I really was interested in is what um, Randy was just talking about uh, that um, eighty years of Batman, just so I can have that to go along with the eighty years of Superman. Yeah, I wouldn't mind picking that up. And um, well, Green Lantern too. I, what do you guys think of that Green Lantern one with Grant Morrison and uh, Lee? I Sharp? gotta tell you, I quit after issue three. Okay. I, I didn't even start. I'm not a Grant Morrison fan, mm -hmm. so I was just like, I'm I'm not even going to pick up number one. I'm not interested. I love Green Lantern. Oh, yeah. Love me some Green Lantern. One of my favorite characters, but I've never been a huge Grant Morrison I fan. I would like to see them bring Dave Gibbons back myself. Oh, so would I. You know, because you I'm know a, the run that I'm talking about. Yes. Back in the, the late 83, all the way up to uh, when they introduced the Omega Men. Right, right. I'm a stuff. Jeff Johns man. 
So. Oh yeah. Oh man. Well, let, so, let let's be honest. Jeff John saved that entire yeah, book did. book line because Green Lantern was dying on the vine until Jeff Johns came along. Yeah. Well, he's the man. I mean, he's well, he's one of my favorite authors. That's why I've been picking up Shazam. Like, well, you know, when I heard he was going to be writing Shazam. See, like, see Madman, I don't know if you know this because I don't think you're reading them, but Jeff Johns gave us. All the different color core. He gave us the War of the Lanterns with the, the fight between the greens and the Brightest whites day, and the oranges. Night. And then he also brought us uh, Blackest Night and Brightest Day. I mean, Green Lantern is the reason, is as popular as it is now because the, the groundwork he laid on that book. Mm-hmm. And, well, and good. Un- and unfortunately, Morrison's going to kill it. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I, yeah I, I hope not. God, I hope not. I tried really, really, I've always tried really, really hard to like Grant Morrison's work because there because there were a lot of people that were talking about it and you know I picked up a lot of his works like Arkham Asylum and some of his other stuff and after about like the third or fourth thing I picked up I just said you know what I don't like Grant Morrison's work <laughs> and I'm okay with that and I stopped buying his stuff I think it's, it's perfectly I think normal. his his best work was he did a great job on Justice League but I think All-Star Superman will always be his uh, yeah, but that's see, that's one of the things you, I picked up of his, and I didn't. You've like got to read that as an Elseworlds in my mind. Right, you can't true. put that mm-hmm. in regular continuity. Oh, no, no, no. especially not. because he's got that little short cape that stops just below the the butt cheeks. I can't stand that cape. It, 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 <laughs> wow. And, and, look, and, and it was like he tried to make the costume too realistic looking. Right. The way I should say, quietly tried to make it too realistic looking. And I was like, come on, this ain't Superman. He's wearing a drape around his uh, shoulders. Right. And, you know, the funny thing about it is I did not particularly care for All-Star Superman that he wrote. But the cartoon they put out, I thought that was, was good. Excellent. That and was I, excellent. That was great. I, I will say he did one thing in the All-Star Superman that I totally dug. And it was the magic pill he gave to Lois to gave, that gave her his powers. I was like, okay, now that I can get behind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Ooh that, you know, ooh, that reminds me. Since we're talking about new releases, I totally forgot about it. Um, today, also Spider-Man number 16HU, I think, um, starting the hunted storyline with the return of Craven. They've, they've actually worked up to it in the previous two issues, but the actual hunted storyline is, is about to kick off. Yeah, so, I think I might pick that up. So, so run in and grab that, guys. Okay, so Craven so, the Hunter. Uh, Craven is they're actually bringing him back. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, hey, I gotta get this. Yeah. The, so, in fact, so the last the last issue of Spider Man is a great one where you find out where he's basically been living, like out in Africa, and uh-huh. what he's gone through, and how he's training this whole group of hunters to get the ultimate prey, which is you know going to be Spider Man. So it looks like it's going to be fantastic. But yeah, I think sixteen HU Marvel's doing this stupid thing that they always do, where they have the regular issues and then they have those point issues that tie into mm-hmm. the story. And I'm like, if you got to do that, just drag the freaking regular story out on another four or five issues. I don't mind. You Know. I'm dying to see how he survived getting his head blown off. I got to be honest. I think they may have retconned it. Uh huh. Um, okay. Yeah, because you know this this is the age of the retcon in comics. Uh huh. Didn't work out. Just bring some great cataclysm. Yes, I said it wrong on purpose. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just do a finger snap, right? <laughs> right. Snap oh, so, that so, so so um. Tom and Marvel, if if uh, the cataclysm did um, brought back Craven, that might nullify Marvel. I mean, wishful thinking, but we know. Yeah, Marvel's not. He's coming never back. coming back. And, he you... needs, and honestly, he's one of those ones that need they need to leave. Well, down. Carol Denver's is entirely too popular as Captain Marvel. They're right. not going to reverse that now. No. If that hadn't worked, then I think they might have started going down that route. But right. so yeah. we'll discuss that next week because you know that's right. The that whole Captain Marvel show, Captain Marvel week. movie coming mm-hmm. right. All right, so. Uh, we are now on part three of our series of moments in comics that dot dot dot. The first off one, mute your phone, Thomas. 
ooh, ooh, is that a, is that a fireable reason? You're fired! No, okay. So I have to get at least one firing a, a show on Tommy. So the first one was moments in comics that um, actually made us go, wow, because, you know, we're supposed to be seasoned veterans, and those were moments where we just, WTF like, set back it. Yeah. And then the second was moments that actually made us cry, where Randy lost it talking about the Justice League cartoon and almost cried on there. Uh, almost. To, you were crying, dude. You were I crying. need to go. I was not actually crying, crying. I held it together. I need to go redact that episode. That's it. Now, now you didn't do what Eddie Murphy when on Bunny came to the house. Hey. <laughs> All right. Moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> so to this week, we are covering moments in comics where we actually did laugh out loud, where it's like, okay, they got us and we started laughing. And we're going to start with Madman. Oh, I, I, I found three of them. That I, I I know that I laughed at. There's, That's pretty I know good because you're a cynical bastard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> well, I mean, when it comes to like uh, comics that made me laugh, you know, uh, generally superhero comic books usually didn't. You know, if I wanted humor, I'd go to Archie. Right. You know. And so I have an Archie one in here too. I'm sure you do. <laughs> oh yeah, um, I know. I, just, I, I, I think I know which one you want talking about. I can't find all those old Double Digests, those little tiny, big ones you'd get. You know, like in grocery stores? You, they still make those things, dude. I know. I know yeah. You go to Giant and the magazine Giant. rack, they still have them. Mm-hmm. I know. Giant carries them. And so uh, I couldn't find them because I would have grabbed some of those because I've, I know I've laughed at those. But uh, from what I found, I got a couple here. I got one from uh, Identity Crisis and I got two from Secret Wars. You which got one from Identity Crisis. Yeah, let me have that one. All right. Um, the moment where um, Ralph Dibney's sitting there on the – he's talking to that – that girl, I forget her name. Firehawk. Firehawk. At the very beginning. Yeah. Right. And um, she, he's sitting there and he goes, he starts wiggling his nose. He's like, oh, the mystery's afoot. And she says, um, I heard you, uh, Green Arrow told me that you made that up for pub- pu- publicity. <laughs> I remember and that. he just like stares at her for a beat. And then he says, Green Arrow has a bald spot. That's why he wears a hat. <laughs> and, <laughs> I remember that now. And it's just like, if, if, he's, if, you know, if Green Arrow's going to put me on blast, you know, I'll put him on blast right back. And so I think that that's how people like that in that society would behave, especially if you're Ralph Dibney and Green Arrow. You know, Superman and Batman take care right. of everything. And, and it's great because that's the lighthearted moment before Brad Master blows everything up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Enos, what do you have? Mine. And Mad Men? I'm sorry, Enos. I bet your Secret Wars one is the same one I have. Well, you do yours first then. All right. Well, Enos. Mine was um, when Spider-Man was on top of the building and he saw Black Cat and uh, Daredevil lip-locking, and you see a pause, and he goes, well, I guess this is my supervillain origin. (laughs) 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 Actually, it was good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. Good stuff. So my first one comes from a pretty unlikely source, The Killing Joke. Okay. At, yeah. Wow, you okay. found a funny a moment in the Killing Joke? I did. At there the, is. At, there is a funny moment at the, at the Killing Joke. At, oh, it's at, at the, the end. end yeah, at the very end. end when Batman and Joker are talking. And Batman says, you know, we can make this happen. We could, we could work it out. And he goes, no, it's too late for us. That reminds me of a joke. So there's these two guys at a nut house. And they didn't want to be in a nut house anymore, so they decided to escape. And they got up to the roof. And the first guy runs, and he jumps across the other side. He makes it just fine. But the other guy, he's a little scared. He doesn't think that he can make the jump across the roof. So the one on the other side says, look, I'll shine my flashlight beam across, and you can walk across the beam to safety. And the one guy looks at him and says, what do you think I am, nuts? 
you'll turn the flashlight off when I'm halfway across. <laughs> right. <laughs> I laughed my head off at that. Of course. It's I great, actually, funny. It's a great ending. I actually yeah. tell that joke, too. And, yeah. and the thing that's great about that ending is, is you see Batman's first just kind of like crack a smile. Then he snickers. Okay. Then he starts laughing. Yeah. And then there's that scene where he's laughing. He's got his hands on Joker. Yeah. And you don't know is he just holding on to him because this is the moment where they're identifying and they're like and they're like yeah. we're relating, both kind, we're relating both kind of to crazy. Each other. Yeah. Or is this where he's actually killing Joker? There's been debate after debate after debate. I don't that, think so. That's the scene where he's killing Joker. Nah. Well, I'm in the camp that like no, it's the moment where he's like we're not that different. Well, you if and you I. look at the panels following that, you know, it's there's um he they're laughing together. Yeah. The laughter fades out, and then the lights fade out. So I think right. he was probably locking him up, putting back right. cuffs on him or whatever. I would say that's on. the most likely too, yeah. especially when you consider that Barbara Gordon's paralyzation was was canon. Yes. And yes. Joker showed up after that. Yes. So it was, you know, and that was before we right. had multiple right. Jokers. But yeah, I thought that was hilarious. And, and that story was pretty dark. So it needed that moment. I well, I mean, really when it. they started talking about um, the Dark Knight being made, um, I said uh, back then, it's like, well, if they're going to do a Joker, they need to do a joke that is hilarious and terrifying. Mm-hmm. And in order to pull off the Joker, like they did in the killing joke, and it's like, in many ways, you know, it should be funny and terrifying. And when they did the pencil joke uh, <laughs> I in love the that. Dark Knight, oh, yeah. I said they nailed it. <laughs> they nailed it. I couldn't make this pencil just Ta-da. It's, it's gone. gone. <laughs> that is a great moment. Okay, so one of my funny moments, um, and I'm going to go ahead and pull my Secret Wars one out because I don't know if this is the same one Mad Men has, but mine is after Spider-Man has gotten his new clothes, and he's sitting there, and he's like, well, okay, how do I get this off? And it retracts off his head. He's like, oh, awesome. But, you know, what if I want to put on my street clothes? And it, and it changes street clothes. He says, oh, wow, this is great. So then later on, and I want to say it's probably in issue nine, um, he goes and he's talking to Thor and Fantastic Four about the great new clothes. They're like, hey, guys, you know, these are fantastic. Do your clothes, like, respond to your thoughts and retract and change appearance? And the looks on their faces are just like, no, no they're just clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and you see him going, then why does mine? And yeah. it just ends that way. And I remember actually laughing and going, you were so screwed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because that was even before we knew what was going to happen with the costume that was going to pump, become well, Venom. I'm, I am convinced that the black costume was a bunch of pissed off artists. I, I just I remember actually <laughs> laughing and going, "Oh, this is not going to end well." I bet it, I, I just I just know it was a bunch of artists that are pissed off at doing the little webbing on Spider-Man's costume, all the little pencils. Right. And this is like we have an idea, a new, a new costume. <laughs> Let's just make it black. <laughs> Let's make it take them over. Is that exactly. the one you had? No, I uh, okay. had two different ones. Oh well, well Hannah, Hannah, one Has over. Has everyone here. had a turn? Yes. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, we're okay. Back to you. We're like doorknobs. We've all. Well, uh, okay. Well, I'll start with. Uh, you just like that one. I we'll think see. I've mentioned this on the show before. This is where the enchantress was drunk. Oh yes. <laughs> all right, and she's just sitting there. She's drinking in this place all by herself, and she's, you know, three sheets to the wind, and she's um. What was that? The hammer Thor? Oh no, this this war is not working out for a while. And then she screams, Innkeeper, fetch me another flagon of mead. Fie, no one attends. I shall have to conjure my own mead again. Or, or an innkeeper. And then she goes off on this rant and then um about what's going on. And then she goes, uh, but but I have the chances lost and now I will fight against thee and then she trips and falls to the ground and goes, Oh crawl and beg. Behold the mighty <laughs> enchantress. 
That was that was one of them. I thought that was kind of hilarious. That, that is a good moment. It's one of those ones that it reads really well. When you're like, okay, yeah. she's just gone. Well, I mean, I think it, it shows a, uh, something very interesting about an immortals and how they think. It's like the secret worst thing, and she's just the the attitude she had throughout the this event, which she's kind of like, eh, as long as it entertains me, I'll take part in this. But as far as I'm concerned, I know I'm going to live through this, and so I might as well just get drunk. That's fun. Right. Right. Let, right. let these idiots fight it out. Yeah, I actually totally forgot about that one because yeah, I, yeah. The, the whole series, she has this whole attitude of like, I don't know why I'm here. So the, the concerns of mortals are not mine. Yeah. <laughs> and, of, and of course, Thor's like, but verily, if they fall, so shall we. And yeah. she's like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let them little peons do right. what they're doing. Enos, what do you got over there? Well, mine is probably one that everyone has, but it's not for the same reason. Uh, Just to leave number one. 1986, after post-crisis, with uh, Kevin McGuire mm-hmm. doing the artwork and J.M. DeMattis, the infamous uh, fight between Guy Gardner and Batman. One punch? The one punch. <laughs> that is not an issue one. That's several issues later, actually. Oh, no, that's right. It wasn't. My apologies. However, that isn't what got me. What what was funny? I know exactly where you're was going. Was the way Kevin McGuire drew Blue Beetle, laid back <laughs> on his head, with his head going one punch, <laughs> one punch. <laughs> well, the two things I love about that, well, actually, actually, three things I love right. about that scene is one is Mr. Miracle going. I'll say this for Batman: he's efficient. He's efficient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Black Canary shows yes. up, and the, which which was to cap it all off. What happened? <laughs> Batman just knocked out Guy Gardner. Damn, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> that is so great because even like two panels later, they go to the meeting, and she's like, "Batman punched Guy," and I missed, I missed it. it. <laughs> and the other one that I really love on that too, and this is the part, and they drug this out for a good year and a half, I think. He becomes the sweetest guy yeah. <laughs> after he. G- no, wait a minute. He hits his head. Yeah. Right. Right. And g- okay. So I'm thinking it, of a different. It becomes way. a completely different person. <laughs> well, like, and, and you got like Superman's reaction when he's told like you can't do something like that. You can't. It felt good, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Because Superman's like you didn't do. You said you only did what everybody else, and it just like has wanted to do so that jerk for years. Well, I just love that Superman like paid lip service to what he sh- thinks he should have said. Right, and then, yeah. just, and then he goes, yeah, it he, felt good, didn't yeah. it? And then he just got real, real right. quick. Well, right. and, and it was funny, before the punch scene, there's another one where they have it immediately, and Guy Gardner's going off, and, and this one's also really good, where Batman walks up, gets right in his face, and just goes, sit down. <laughs> and you see Guy Gardner clam up and sit down. <laughs> well, and, and you know, when the self one, one of the uh, politest men to ever walk the face of the earth says something like, it felt good, didn't it? Yeah. You know you're a jerk. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Superman guy fought too, didn't they? Oh, every, he fought with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> guy, but, guy was a jerk. But but yeah. you want to know what was funny in uh, that series as well? He kept calling Captain Marvel Captain Whitebread. Yes. Uh, and there was a scene where he was flying, and he was like, Captain Whitebread. He, all the things he could call me, he couldn't call me anything else but Captain White Bread. What the heck is Captain White Bread? <laughs> it's the big red cheese. Yes. If you guys out there haven't ever read the Kevin McGuire Justice League run, you have to read it. That it was it was a nice bit of comic relief from the whole serious tone of, of the Justice League for a while, um, and it actually was a top selling title for a long time. Quite. And then I think in maybe issues thirties or forties, everybody was like, "Okay, we're tired of the comedy. When are you gonna start getting serious again?" 
That's the thing about stuff like that. You know, you expect the Justice League to be be serious. I mean, you can do the comedy for a while, but eventually, well, especially you if you need to, to break a rhythm or a right. rut or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, definitely have the comedy issues here and there to kind of lighten the mood and everything. Right after a you know a long drawn out story where you have to save the world. Right. Okay. Sometimes it's pretty fun. What you got for me? So the next one comes from The Dark Knight Returns, when when uh, he's uh, getting right when he's just come back. And he's just got back into, into being Batman again. And he's talking with Alfred. And Alfred's talking about all the charities that he needs to write to. And, and Bruce goes, check. And he, and he tells another charity, check. And Bruce says another charity, check. He says, overage men with death wishes, check. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about <laughs> that Write him a check. Yeah. <laughs> write him a check. <laughs> that's probably not exactly word for word yeah, what, what was, he said. But, was, that, but that's basically what it was. It just it shows how like uh, Alfred is... Uh, yeah, just Try, trying to get through to this guy. Trying to get through to him that, hey, you're not 20 anymore. Exactly. You shouldn't be out here doing this. Cool. And Bruce is all stubborn. <laughs> so yeah. I'm actually going to do a twofer because one of mine's really quick, and then I'll just tag another one on to the end of it. So <clears throat> going back to Mad Men's favorite group of characters, or the Archie gang, um, since you've got yourself a computer there, you should look up the cover to Betty and Me, issue number 16. Mm-hmm. And for you readers, or readers, you listeners, I shall describe such a scene. It shows Archie carrying Betty out of a little swimming hole, like a little small pond, lake type of thing. Oh, I think I've seen this. And inside the pond are three guys looking battered yeah. and abused, of, you know, black guys and a little swirly things over their heads from when they just taken the, the beating. And Archie is carrying Betty out. And on the cover, Betty says... Archie, did you have any trouble rescuing me? To which he replies, I sure did, Betty. I had to beat off three other guys. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> and, 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 you know, the worst part about it is when you think about the time period that this came out. Right, yeah. They probably didn't even think right. about it. Yeah, that. it's anachronistic. About yeah. It. yeah, that's more of right. a Well, remember, phrase. beat off used to mean you had to you know, yeah. beat yeah, someone off. Of, and, up, up. But now, now it has a whole, whole different meaning. meaning. Right. So, and then my other one, and... I actually had to go back and just look at this one the other day because this is one that's just always stuck in my head. So in the 2003 series Superman-Batman, um, which had some really great stories in it, in fact, the Superman-Batman Public Enemies movie um, from DC, for DC Animated came out of this series. Um, but in the very first arc, we find out there's this killer asteroid coming to Earth. Now, ironically, it's actually a kryptonite asteroid, but in this time frame in DC Comics, Lex Luthor is also president. So the asteroid's coming to Earth, and Lex has somehow managed to convince not only all of America, but also the heroes that this is Superman's fault. He is bringing this to Earth. He's going to be the death of all of us. So he pretty much has turned Captain Adam and Starfire and a whole bunch of the heroes of the DC Universe into Superman's enemy. And Batman's like, you know, Luther's setting you up. I know this isn't you, Clark. So you now have Superman and Batman against the whole rest of the crew. But as this is going on, there is a gentleman named Hiro Akamura in Japan who is the new toy man. And you find out that he's actually made a giant Superman-Batman amalgam robot that can destroy the meteor. So they're like, okay, we need to get to Japan and talk to this guy, you know. And he specifically said that he wants to talk to Superman about his robot, right? Because basically he, Hiro works, but he wants to meet him. So as a fight is going on, and once again, there's Captain Adam and Starfire beating them all up. Superman flies in, grabs Power Girl from the pack and says, we need to talk, and off they fly. And then Batman grabs a hold of Katana, and they go off and says, we need to talk. So as the whole side fight is going on, um, 
Lex Luthor has now enlisted Hawkman and Captain Marvel to go find them and said, you need to bring them in, you know, get, stop the, you know, the meteorite, this is their issue. And then Batman and Superman are now talking to Power Girl and Katana saying, look, you know, they've convinced them that Lex Luthor is lying. This is not our doing. And he says, well, we have to talk to Hero about this. You know, you know we need to, to get him to delay his launch of his robot. And Katana's like, well, what are we going to do? Because he said he specifically wants to talk to Superman. So then Batman says, well, says, you all need to get there, you know, in case Clark and I don't. He goes, and you need to distract him. You know, he said something about, he's a 13-year-old boy, you know, you need to distract him. <laughs> and then the very next panel, Power goes, Girl goes, why is everybody looking at me? <laughs> 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 and she's like, yeah. how am I supposed to distract? Oh. <laughs> 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 and, yeah. and that scene has just always stuck in my head because she's like, why is everybody looking at me? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> My gigantic jugs. And I think there's actually even reference to that in like JSA Classified where they talk about Power Girl. And I can't remember the two characters, but I just remember it's two women and one of them was like Power Girl. And another was like, right? <laughs> 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 Madman, what do you got? Oh, well, we're about halfway through the show. Can I pay the bills, bills real quick before? Uh, well, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah pay the bills. Hey, pay Bill. Okay, Bill. Anyway, Lost in the Long Box and FXBG Public Radio is sponsored by Danny's Pizza and Subs. Check them out at dannyspizzaandsubs.com. They are located here in Fredericksburg at 10657 Spotsylvania Avenue. Uh, they have a limited delivery area of about five miles and uh, from that location. Uh, and their number is 540-898-5008. They are open Monday through Thursday from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Friday and Saturday, they're open from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Sundays, they're open from noon to 8. It's always buy one, get one free pizzas at Danny's Pizza and Subs. Com. I do have a question on that. If it's buy one, get one free pizzas, does that apply to subs as well or just on pizzas? Just, just pizzas. Okay, okay. That's a lot How, of pineapple pizzas. But they'll do, they'll do like specials. They, like if you get like a hold of one of their menus, they have coupons for like a, if you get a, a two-sub deal, if you want like two 12-inch subs special. And gotcha. Okay. Stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, go to the location. Pick up a menu, and they got coupons in there and stuff. You want to talk about the secret, the second Secret Wars thing I picked up? Oh, surely. Because I think that's interesting. You didn't pick one of these because I think these are way more hilarious than the one you picked with Spider-Man. I just, I just really love that moment where you can see them all looking at it like, "What are you hide or clothes?" But this scene is when uh, Doom and Claw were alone in a room together, uh, and I guess he was like, well, he was, he was gonna about to dissect him into the little things to make the projector or whatever to send him to Galactus or towards, right. towards mm-hmm. the Beyonder. I'm sorry. And so um, he comes to him. He says, Claw, Claw, bad master of sound, being of living sound energy, whom I found in Galactus's home. You are the one I need. Moi? This is how Claw responds. Tra-la-la-la. You narrate your life as you go along, don't you? Are you being, <laughs> are you being taped? <laughs> and Doom responds, why, yes, every utterance of doom must be recorded for posterity. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a, one of the most hilarious panels in this book. I love, this, I love The Secret Wars. It's really that, good. That was actually a really great story. The only problem is Marvel was in bed with Kenner at the time to make yeah. toys from it, and they made that stupid doom toy where there was no tunic and no cape, and he had that power band around his leg, and thinking, this is a crappy-looking toy. And the then whole they incorporate toy line stunk. And then they incorporated into the comics. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Enos, what do you got? Well, mine, not necessarily it's comic related, 
it's it's one is is a comic and another one was from an animated series, but they're intertwined because they both um, revolve around Batman. Now they're not funny, funny, but it's funny how they happen. They um back in 1980, uh, Dick Dillon, who was the um one, who was the artist on the series for decades, uh, untimely passed away from uh, heart attack. So that's when George Perez was brought in to f- do the fill-in issues that later on turned into a big assignment for him uh, because you and I talked about, well, you were talking about on the show how he wanted to do Justice League. So right. that's how he got to do that. There was a there was a particular issue where they had to go to Russia where they, when this old villain Shaggy Man had come back. Batman is, behind, is like uh, up against a fence or something trying to defuse a rocket and a Russian soldier comes up behind him, puts the gun literally to his head, and Batman has his back turned, never looks at the guy, reaches in his utility belt, throws a, boom, a batarang, and cocks the guy and knocks him <coughs> out right between the eyes. Fast forward to the second half of the three-part World's Finest uh, team-up. Wow, on, I uh, remember su- that. Yes, uh, on Superman the animated series, where Batman swings in to Lex Luthor's bedroom, and he gets in his face and he goes, "Where's the Joker? What kind of deal have you made with him?" While he's saying that, Mercy comes up behind <laughs> I remember him, that. and she's putting the gun <laughs> up to his head, and you hear it cop, and you, all you do is Batman never looks back. <laughs> and when that wasn't funny, the fact when he is, she goes, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Goes halfway I, I actually remember that because I remember Mercy was like Luther's badass right hand. Right. And oh, Batman yeah. just downs her. I mean, one punch. The the same thing with Guy Gardner. <laughs> one punch. And hey. like, uh, Mercy could, um, there was an episode where she kicked off a uh, um, punching bag with one swing of a foot. Yeah, she's no joke. She oh, yeah. was no yeah. joke. And it's like, Batman's just sitting there asking about the joke, and she comes up, you hear a click, pow! And when you saw her fall back, you saw him giving her a black <laughs> eye when she hit the floor. That was hilarious. So, you know, and um, since you mentioned that, just want to tell our listeners, the Justice League cartoons, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, are just filled with all kinds of great comedic moments in there. Uh, I really love um, the one when... Luther switched brains, and he's trying to get to Superman's body. Instead, he got Flash. Oh, and he goes, wow. well, I can still find out the secret identity of Flash. And he takes off his mask. He looks in the mirror. And he just doesn't say anything for like 30 seconds. And then finally, he goes, I have no idea who this is. <laughs> 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 yeah, I remember that. All right, Thomas, what you got? Well, well since we brought up the, the cartoons, there's one that I just thought about from the Batman Beyond cartoon series. Where it was where the one kid was in there and he was the nerdy guy and he met, he makes the, the robot girlfriend and he ends up breaking up with her and he goes, but I want to still be friends. And she goes, friends? Friends? And starts going all crazy. <laughs> and, and, the, and the kid looks at, at, at Terry, you know, in the Batman Begot, he goes, did I, did I say the wrong, right, wrong thing? He goes, is it ever the right thing to say? <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, now, you, now you're making me think of another one. Another one that's a really great moment is not truly funny but it's, it's funny when you the, the context of it is in the one episode of Justice League um, when Cersei has changed Wonder Woman to a pig and so Batman has to sing, sing. oh man <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> and he's the one who said am I blue oh yeah 
Am I blue? Oh, they got it. And, and that's the one where he ends up having like the really great voice, and, right? Yeah. Right. right. And, and meanwhile, Zantana and Cersei are both over there crying. Well, I'm trying to remember what they said to him. They said something like that you need to show. She goes, I want something, something so something. sacred that yeah, you'd never so show personal. anyone. Yeah, yeah something right. so personal you'd never show anyone. Yeah. And, and then he's saying. You can never take it back. Yeah. And, and it's funny, too, because he, they're crying, and Cersei's like, okay, you can have him stop now. Zatanna's like, no way, let him finish. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not stopping him. Yeah, that, I, I remember that one. <laughs> did you have another one? I did. The, the one I was going to talk about was from the, the uh, if you guys read the Brave and the Bold uh, series from the 2000s. It was the issue where it was the team-up of Green Lantern and Supergirl, and they're flying through outer space, and Supergirl's got her arm locked around Green Lantern with his... Her head tilted toward him with this big old smile, and you see the thought bubbles how thinking 17. 17. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Brave and Bold series. They, they rebooted like in the late 90s, right? right. Well, like, I think yeah. it was early 2000s, but what, yes. But it was like all different. I remember it was a different, different ones. Up. Different team Instead of making they just brought two, two DC heroes together. Yeah. I forgot about that, actually. <laughs> Yeah, 17, 17, 17. <laughs> you brought up Public Enemies a few moments ago. There was another funny moment um, in that um, animated movie where um, Batman is taking him to another, taking Superman, who's taking that Krypton, um, kryptonite bullet, and he's taking him to the uh, Batcave so he can get it removed. And Superman is talking about, Whatever happened to all the good villains, Magpie and all them, and Batman says, Clark, what in the hell are good villains? <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm like, I would never, you never would have thought you would hear Batman just like, he would be like, you'd be like hearing him on his voice, oh God, what I must contend with. And he just comes up to, because I guess it's, it's kind of like, a good representation of the relationship that Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent have because they're like brothers. Right. But also exactly. how like how they're different. And mm -hmm. How they're very different. And it's just like, you know, he's talking about villains and Batman just comes out of the blue and just says Truth Clark. <laughs> What in the hell are good villains? <laughs> well, uh, and then and in the Justice League cartoon, there's another great moment between them like that with the Savage Time when they come back from the mission in space and find out Z Vandal Savage went back in time right. and took over Earth. So when they get there, Batman is all military and wearing this heavy-duty armor, and he's like, you know, he, he sends it back in time. So, of course, they defeat Vandal Savage, they restore history, but when they get back, Batman comes out of their little portal, and there he is in his regular costume like he's supposed to be, and Superman goes, Batman! And he picks him up and hugs him, yeah. and Batman's just like, did I miss something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it's just because the other one was such kind of a <laughs> right. yeah, real jerk, you know? So I have one here, and I actually have to thank guys up on the, the Facebook group for the Collector's Corner and, and Comic Book Collecting, because I read this years ago, um, and I actually wasn't a regular reader of this book. I, my roommate at the time was like, Randy, you got to read this. So it's out of Ultimate Spider-Man number 42, um, where Spider-Man is meeting the X-Men, and he's working with Jean Grey for the first time. Um, and in this, Jean Grey is blonde instead of you know short blonde hair instead of the whole long red hair that we're used to. But there's a scene in it where they're talking, I guess it's after the caper, and Jean Grey tells him, you know, in fact, you're the first guy in six months who hasn't immediately pictured me naked, so I appreciate that. And then the very next panel is, is Spider-Man just kind of like looking down, and then she's like, until now. Yeah. <laughs> and then he well, goes... Well, you brought it up. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes, sorry. And the next one, she's like, 
are you done? And, and then the next four panels are interspersed between him and her, and you can see him, like, got his hands on his head, and he's trying to not think yes, about it, and then stopped, finally yeah. he goes, I'm done. Impasse. <laughs> mm. Telepaths. What a pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I love the part, like, you're the first guy that has it immediately thought of me naked in six months. Yeah. And then she's like, until now. Yeah. <laughs> because you put it in his head. Exactly. Yeah, if you hadn't put it in his head, it wouldn't have been. And she's mad because she's hot for and Spider-Man. It's, and it's great because you actually see, because you can't see Spider-Man's face, but the way they position his head, you know immediately like, he's like, oh, crap. He's, bl- he's blushing <laughs> under that mask, right? right? All right, who's got something else? Because I have another one that's going to take a little bit of explaining. I'm, I'm tapped out. You tapped out? Like wrestling? Yeah. <laughs> MMA. Um, bat- Batman number 251. Again, it's not, it's not funny, but it's just the way that it happened that was like would make you laugh. Um, this is my all-time favorite Batman story. It's called The Joker's Five-Way Revenge. Oh, yeah. Basically, and if you um, the closest thing in other um, media that has mirrored this would be the Dark Knight because in this particular story, the Joker stays a step ahead of Batman throughout the whole thing. He basically comes back to get revenge on the guys that fingered him, so he bumps them all off. One guy, the last guy, is um, he captures him, but he tricks Batman into taking his place. And after he puts throws him into this tank with a shark, and Batman kills the shark and winds up getting out of the out of the tank, but he's so exhausted from being underwater fighting the shark and running after the Joker for the past three days. So the Joker has his car parked at the beach. The Joker has like about a three or four length head start. There's no way that Batman is catching catching this guy. You, the way Neil Adams drew it was hilarious oh, yeah. as hell. He's running, and then you see a foot come up. And then you see, he puts another foot down. The other one comes up, and then you see him tumble face first when he gets right at the car, the driver's side of the car. And he gets up, swinging at Batman. You know, Batman knocks the tar out of him. And when he picks him up, he goes, who would ever thought, Joker, that I'd be grateful for pollution to help him. <laughs> <laughs> also, too, isn't that the return of the Joker after like a five or ten year hiatus from the Batman books? Yes. Because yeah, he'd been away over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he hadn't been in anything and did... And Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams and Dick Giordano brought him back. Right, because the, big. Pre- the previous yeah. editor did not like the Joker character and basically forbade the use of the character. So when it changed hands, they're like, okay, this is his greatest nemesis. He needs to come back. And they bring him back big. Yeah, that, yeah. that trio... I mean, they were really in their prime. They were oh, yeah. swinging so oh, yeah. good oh, yeah. when they wrote that. I mean, that was just excellent. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I'd like to mention, Enos, if you do own that uh, that that particular issue, my birthday was this past Friday. Um, you know, <laughs> just, that, that is a right. hot book. Just quote. throwing yeah. it out there. I can okay. tell, that, that, I can that, tell that, you when you go birthday. to cons, that thing is getting three figures now. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I did turn 42 this past <laughs> Friday, so I'm just throwing it out there. Wow. I got you, man. I got you. If it's the bank a million tonight, I got you, man, when we get to cons. So, uh, all right, have you got another funny moment? So, since we broke into the uh, the whole uh, cartoons and everything like that, let's break into into the movies. The original Batman movie from the 60s. 
where he was running around the dock <laughs> oh, with man. the bomb. Classic. Some, day, some days you just he can't, can't get rid of the bomb. He can't throw it here because of the ducks. He can't yes. throw it here because of the nuns. Did you and then there was one other place that he couldn't throw it either. Yeah. And then he just stops in the middle of it holding the most stereotypical looking bomb he was yeah. ever seen, perfectly round, with the stem, and it's lit. He goes... Someday she just can't get rid of a bomb. I, I remember listening to the DVD commentary on that movie, and there's it's Adam West and Burt Ward doing the commentary, and he said there is like, and he he mentions after that scene, he's like, I, I I'm not sure, but I think it might have been a joke with the writers or about me as an actor or, or, or the show itself. I'm not sure what they meant by it. Well, isn't that also the movie that gave us the bat shark repellent? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's hanging from the yes. ladder. Yeah, and the shark, the shark, shark, yes. shark. Robin, quick. The yes. back shark repellent. Because I remember just going, seriously? <laughs> seriously? <laughs> and there was like other things. There's the bar- uh, barracuda repellent, the squid repellent. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Because the there's all those other repellents. And <laughs> oh, that was the most over-the-top movie ever. It was great. It was. It it's was unabashedly over-the-top. Over-the-top. Well, I tell you what's really great. I have a friend, Ruby. Ruby, if you're listening, hi, guy, um, who loves to cosplay the 66-era Batman. And at Dragon Con, there's a parade every Saturday. And one year, he actually did the 66 Batman running around with a bomb in his hand. Oh, man. Over his oh, head. Man. And the following scene. year, he was running around with a shark hanging off his leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was pictures. I think you put up of Dragon Con, too, of someone doing the, uh, the, the 60s-era Catwoman from that. From that uh, oh, that, that might have been his wife, Jennifer. I that was an amazing cosplay. So I have one, and by the way, listeners, I do have to give you a disclaimer. There's going to be a dirty word. There will be some language in this one, but it is hysterical. Madman, I've got to bring this book to you next week so you can see it, I, and I meant to bring it tonight and forgot about it. Good. So bring it. Um, in Bill Willingham, when he did Fables for DC, um, which is a fantastic book, which, by the way, if you've ever watched Once Upon a Time, um, think Once Upon a Time, but I don't believe they could actually get an agreement to use those characters. So yeah, Fables came ABC first. made their own, and, and Fables was first. So the whole premise is the same thing. It's you have this great enemy called the Adversary that has kicked a lot of these um, fairy tale figures out of their lands, and they now have to live in the real world. Right. And they refer to us as Mundies, you know, the mundanes. So all the characters from the, the Fable Lands that can pass as human, um, whether it be natural human or can change their form, what have you, get to live in a nice little place called Fable Town in the heart of New York City with all these nice little buildings and they have their own little community. But then you also have the poor Fables who can't pass for human, like, for instance, the three pigs or, you know, the blind mice. Um, and, you, and, of course, because they are out of a fairy tale land, they're intelligent and they can speak. So not to mention you have, like, the, the, the talking daisy that can hop around in her pot. So obviously, since they can't pass for human, they are told, well, you guys need to live on the farm. And it literally is a farm in upstate New York. It's this big patch of land that, that they bought, and all the fables are there. So in this story arc, Snow White, who is actually the deputy mayor of all things, the fable town, is going up to the farm to basically take a little visit and return Colin the pig, who's one of the three pigs from the myth, um, who has escaped to the city. Well, when she gets there, she's like, where is everybody? Is it normally this quiet? And Colin's like, no, there's something's going on. You know, everybody should be out and about. Well, she hears voices coming from the barn. And then she goes into the barn and opens it up. And she finds out that it's basically a town meeting of all the fable creatures. And she's like, what's going on here? Well, the discussion she walks in on is basically them, basically them amassing troops. So she speaks to one of the three pigs whose name is Dunn. And he goes, what's going on here, Dunn? He goes, oh, well... You know, the anniversary of the adversary having kicked it out of our homelands is coming, 
And someone said that we want to go back to the homeland. She's like, well, you understand that's really dangerous, what have you. But you find out that he's actually lying. Snow White has discovered that what they're actually planning is a coup. They're going to get all the weapons outfitted and retrofitted so that the Fairland creatures can use them, and they're going to take over Fabletown. So she's, she's told by this ally, you need to get out of here because you're, you're a mark. So in her process of leaving Animal Farm thinking, how am I going to fix this, she climbs upon this mountain, and lo and behold, asleep on the mountain are three enormous giants and one dragon. Classic fire-breathing dragon. You found out that when they escaped their homelands from the adversary, that they came over too. It's like, okay, how do we hide a dragon and three giants? So they put a spell on them to put them to sleep. So that's when we first see them. Well, what ends up happening is Snow White goes ahead and wakes them up. And then the next passage you see is the animals are, are gathered around in the front of the farm. They're about ready to go into Fabletown down New York and take over. When Snow White comes walking down and she's waving the white flag of truce. And they're all like, you know, kill her. And, I'm like, and her sister, Rose Red, which is a whole other story, she's like, no, what are you doing? She's, she's waving the white flag of truce. We have to listen to her. So Snow White comes out, and you notice that she's now wearing like a, basically a USB earpiece on her ear. And so she's telling the animals, okay, this is it. You all are going to go back to your jobs. You're going to do what you came here for. You knew what you got into when we came. And she goes, your little revolt is over. And then she just touches the earpiece, and she goes, kill the barn. And all of a sudden, you see the barn just go up in flames, and all of a sudden, there's a dragon flying around. And the part that's really funny is all these animals that are sentient, and you can speak because they're frailing animals, one of them, a walrus, yells, we're fucked. (laughs) 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 And then she even, Snow White even says, anything happens to me, raise the farm. (laughs) And all of a sudden, she goes, bring in the brothers. And the next thing you know is here's now the three giants coming up behind the farm, and Snow White has basically made her point. I am back in control. Get your asses back to work. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just just that moment where she touches her mic and she goes, kill the barn. (laughs) Man. That was a fantastic series, too. That's something we need to talk about one, one of these days on it's our, our show. Do a spotlight on, on fables. Yeah. So, so that's why I didn't mention who the adversary was, because I figured you said we're going to have to touch base on, on that series sometime. Yeah, no doubt. That was a great series. But yeah, I'll, I'll bring that in for you next week. Actually, that's might bring books one and two so you can start reading them. But that was such a great moment. I actually remember laughing hysterically and said the book. I had tears running out of my eyes. I'm like, I can't believe she just did that. There was a lot of great moments in that series <laughs> that, that, that made you laugh. You know, pretty much anything to do with early Prince Charming. Oh, yes. Yeah, he was hilarious. You, you find out in the basic storyline that Prince Charming was the same guy across all the fairy tales. <laughs> yeah, any fairy tale that had a Prince Charming in it. It was, it was all the same, same guy. It was all the same guy. <laughs> he was just a huge womanizer. Right. All right, so um, before we go, Enos, I know you need to plug your sites there. Batman, Today, Yesterday, Forever, whatever. I am going to get these damn things memorized. <laughs> Not a problem. I have two um, pages on Facebook that I run that is connected with Lost in the Wrong Box, the realm of superheroes, comics, and pop culture, and Batman yesterday, today, and forever, which I would like to say is experiencing an upswing of membership due to being linked to this show. I've, I've noticed that every I've other day that. there's new there's members. New members. Yes. Yeah. Right, because uh, cause, like, I had lost... I went from like about 240 down to 185, and ever since I've been I've been a part of this and has linked that linked that page to this show, 
I have seen a major upswing. Well, sweet. Get them to pad our numbers, too, and start subscribing. Oh, yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. I'm, I'm starting tonight. I'm going to start putting the uh, link on both pages. Awesome sauce. I also would like to mention our boy Madman's got a podcast that he does every Tuesday night at 6, um, Shock Monkey Radio. So you guys can tune into that live like you do with us. We or, say those bad words all the time. And he says them all the time. And uh, we don't apologize for them. Right. You, sh- you should actually um, shock monkey radio. Listen to the episode with Ek and the lizard in his bedroom, <laughs> where he interrupts the That's whole the epi- interrupts the whole episode to basically tell he'll help me. There's a, there's a creature in my bedroom, <laughs> <laughs> and he'll be like, D- "Do I have to take care of it now?" <laughs> he all but he all but stood on a chair. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> yeah. And the story of poor Henri the Cave Cricket. That, that, I, I, that love one. Too. Cave I, ha- I have you know, I was listening to that at work, and I had to stop because I was laughing, and my yeah. coworker was like, what the hell is wrong with you? NSFW. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, until next time, we're going to be down here wondering, you know, if Marvel did the series What If and What The, why didn't it do a series? Oh, hell no. <laughs> because why, Eunice? We're lost in the long box. Yes, we are. Thank you, everybody. Good night, everyone. Talk Good to you next week. Good night, everyone.